when one Bible prophecy is fulfilled, it's proof that God is real and in control. When numerous other prophecies follow suit, it's rock-solid evidence. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to Daniel's dream, the prophetic roadmap of world events that has been fulfilled with perfect accuracy throughout history. To conclude his message, Modern Europe, Ancient Rome, here's David. Hey, you know, one of my friends told me that today you should have your Bible in one hand and the newspaper in, in the other, and just sort of read the Bible first and read it last, but in between, read the newspaper, and you'll find out that what everybody seems to be so surprised about has been kind of, well, it's been foretold in many respects. What's going on in Europe now? For a while, uh, the European Union was was heralded as the fulfillment of this prophecy. It may be the beginning stages of it. The Bible says there are 10 leaders, a part of this coalition. How does that filter down? We don't know. But what we're watching over there in the coming together of the nations is what Daniel said would happen in Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to talk about that today before we get into the lesson. Uh, I wanted to remind you that there's a very special thing you can do during this month that we, we love sending this chart. A lot of people are very concerned about how does prophecy look? How is it spaced out? What is the connection of one event to the other? Well, we've put together a very beautiful prophecy chart that locates all the prophetic events as they should be located in sequence. And uh, this is just something we'd like to say to you. You don't have to send any money. Uh, you don't have to do anything. Just say, please send me the prophetic chart, and it will take you through the book of Revelation and show you how all of these things fit together. I hope you will do that and give us the opportunity to send this to you. Uh, we'll send it to you uh, in a letter envelope, and you'll have it to follow along as we move through this study. Okay, this is part two of Modern Europe, Ancient Rome. Let's open our Bibles, open our hearts. Let's study the Word of God. The Bible says that the Roman Empire will have some sort of presence in the time when Jesus sets up his kingdom. How could that be? And the Bible says that the Roman Empire, as it is represented by the toes and the feet of iron and clay, will be suddenly destroyed. There is no way in which you could ever make a case for the fact that the Roman Empire, as we knew it in history, was suddenly destroyed. It gradually dissipated. It destroyed itself from within. It wasn't destroyed from without. Read the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, and you will discover quite quickly that it fell of its own. It quietly went away. Over a long period of time, the Roman Empire just dissolved. But the Bible says there's coming a time when the Roman Empire will be destroyed suddenly, when a rock cut out of a mountain will roll in upon it and crush it. It's never happened. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen someday when Rome and the Roman Empire as it was known is revived and reconstituted in a new consolidation of power. This Roman Empire will be represented by ten leaders. The Bible refers to them as ten kings. And this form of the Roman Empire will be on the earth when Jesus returns. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I've been with you all the way up to this point, but man, you have got me. I don't know how this could be. I mean, how could the Roman Empire ever be here when Jesus returns? 
When Daniel prophesied 2,500 years ago that the Roman Empire would be on this earth when Jesus returns, he meant it. He didn't miss it. And it's happening right now, right before our eyes. In 1946, Winston Churchill powerfully declared that the tragedy of Europe could only be solved if the issues of ancient nationalism and sovereignty would give away to a sense of European national grouping. He said that the path to European peace and prosperity on the world stage was clear, quote, we must build a United States of Europe. In 1948, at the Benelux Conference, this conference held in Brussels, Belgium, would lay a foundation for a new organization known as the European Economic Community. The meeting was attended by three tiny nations, Netherlands, Luxembourg, and Belgium. These nations came together because they saw unity as the only hope of survival in the post-war world. Fast forward to March 25, 1957. A treaty is signed. Believe it or not, it's called the Treaty of Rome. It was signed on Capitoline Hill, which is one of the seven famous hills of Rome. And this treaty brought together Italy, France, and Germany. And they joined the Netherlands and Luxembourg and Belgium and this treaty created the European economic community called the Common Market. Fast forward to 1973. England, Ireland, and Denmark joined the EEC. 1981, Greece joined it, making it a ten-nation confederation. And prophecy buffs from all over the world thought, this is it, we got ten nations, the Lord's got to come back right now. But the prophecy doesn't say ten nations, it says ten kings, ten leaders, ten men, ten people of influence. Fast forward now to January 1st, 1986, Spain and Portugal are added. The EEC officially adopts the goal of a politically unified Europe. December 31st, 1992, the economic borders between the nations of the European community were removed. Remember I told you that when I had gone to Europe years ago, I had to stop at every border and show my passport. When I went there the last time, we just sailed right across Europe. Nobody asked for our passport at all. We showed it on the way in. We showed it on the way out. And we crossed many nations because passports were no longer needed. And study between the nations, which used to be such a terrible hardship, now students from one nation in Europe can cross the border to another nation. They can study at each other's universities and there are no restrictions. They're treated as if they're all one. In 1995, three more members were added to the European Union, Austria, Finland, and Sweden. In the year 2002, 80 billion coins were produced for use in the participating nations introducing what we now know as the euro dollar. If you've been to Europe, you know about the euro. May 1st, 2004, the Berlin Wall is down. The Soviet Republic has been dismantled. Notice what happens. Joining the European Union are Cyprus, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Malta, Poland, Slovakia, Slovenia, all of them become members, bringing the total nations to 25. 
These nations brought 75 million people into the European Union, expanding the population to 450 million people and surpassing North America as the world's biggest economic zone. Somebody asks, what about Israel? Isn't Israel a part of this? Well, Israel was a part of the Roman Empire, but you know, they won't let them in right now because they believe Israel is an occupying force in the West Bank, Gaza Strip, Golan Heights, and East Jerusalem. And because of their rules, she's ineligible. However, Israel has been told that if they would sign a peace treaty, they would be offered membership in the EU. Does that sound sort of frightening in some ways? Now, as we look at our world today, Gradually, yet steadily, the nations of Europe have come together and Rome is more integrated today than in any time since the Roman Empire in the days of Jesus. And all of this is important to us because according to the prophecies of Daniel, this new Roman Empire represented by the feet and toes of Daniel's beast and by the ten horns of the beast in Daniel 7, these kings and this nation will have to be present when the end time events begin to happen. Daniel describes this future coalition as a mixture of iron and clay. We already know that the iron represents the strong strength of Rome. But what about the clay? The clay represents the will of the people. And it's a reminder to us that in this coalition of nations in Europe, it isn't just a walk in the park. When you consolidate nations from all of these different backgrounds with different languages and traditions and all of that, there will be this mixture of iron and clay. And the Bible says it doesn't mix. You can't mix iron and clay. It just doesn't mix. But it's an outward structure that brings these people together out of their own fear of survival in the economy of the world. Now from this study and from what we see going on in Europe, there are three things that we need to remember that will help us understand how this fits into this final puzzle that we're creating during these days. First of all, this is indeed a consolidation of world power. Daniel 7, 23 and 24. Since the time of the Roman Empire, there has been no world governing nation or empire. No nation has been able to achieve or attain world dominance. Some have tried, Hitler tried, Stalin tried, but they all failed. There will be a time in the future, however, even before the Lord comes to set up his kingdom, there will be a short period of time when the world will be unified under one man. And when Daniel had a dream that mirrored the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, he saw a beast symbolically representing the Roman Empire with ten horns and the beast representing ten kings yet to arise on the stage. And the meaning of Daniel's dream is directly given to him. Here is what Daniel learned, Daniel 7:23. The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. And the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise out of this kingdom. I remember, folks, when I first started to preach the Bible, I did some stuff on prophecy, and I used to think about how, how could one man rule the world? I mean, I, I thought maybe it was symbolic or something. Not anymore. As the world has come together through technology, through the global closeness that we feel with all of the citizens of the whole world, and now through these alliances that are being brought together, it is conceivable out of the desperation for peace 
and the need for oil and all of the rest that the nations could clamor for one man who could stand over them and bring it all together and make it work. And that's why the second thing that you need to remember is that what is happening before us in the book of Daniel speaks to us of the coming of one world leader. In Daniel chapter 7, we are told that there's going to be someone who arises out of this coalition in Europe who will bring leadership to the whole world. In Daniel 7, 24 and 25, he is described as someone who will speak pompous words against the Most High, who shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law, bringing uniformity to it all. And the saints will be given into his hand for a time and times and half time. Daniel tells us that a leader will emerge from the group of ten in Europe to take control of the new European Union. And this man will become the final world dictator. We call him the Antichrist. And we'll give a whole message about that later on in this series. But the point we must make is this. The European Union is one of the conditional preludes to the coming of the Antichrist. He comes out of this. And if this isn't in place, he can't come, but it's in place. Paul Henry Spock, Secretary General of the United Nations from 1957 to 1961, made the following statement in a speech that is so chilling, I need to warn you ahead of time of its impact. Here's what he said. We do not need another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man and be he God or devil, we will receive him. That will be the desperation that brings all of these people together and makes them willing. They'll try anything. They've tried it all. All of the treaties have been broken. All of the promises have not been kept. But if they could find one man who could somehow hold this together, the world at that time will be so desperate. And we read about it in the scripture. He will be the final world dictator before the Lord Jesus sets up his kingdom on this earth. And finally, not only the consolidation of world power and the coming of a world leader, but thirdly, the condition for a treaty with Israel. Daniel 9.27 says that this world dictator who's going to come out of the European coalition is going to make a treaty with Israel. Everything will be so desperate. And in Daniel 9.27, this is what it says, that this leader will confirm a covenant with Israel for one week. And in the middle of the week, he'll bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Now, here's what this means. These are not weeks of days. These are weeks of years. These are seven years. This leader is going to make a covenant with Israel for seven years, saying they will be allowed to continue their sacrifices. They'll be allowed to do all that they have always wanted to do in their holy places. He'll make this covenant with them for seven years. Israel will settle down and think they're at peace. But in the middle of the seven years, at the three and a half year period, the covenant will be broken. And the countdown to Armageddon will begin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, because Israel is back in her land and because oil is concentrating our attention on the Middle East 
And now because the stage has been set and is being set in Europe, I think any honest person would have to admit that the prophetic clock is ticking (laughs) and the hands are moving and they're not between 12 and 6, they're between 6 and 12. (laughs) Romans 13, 11 says this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What does that mean, class? It means we can all say this for absolute certain. The coming of Jesus is nearer than it was when you got saved. I mean, that's profound, isn't it? That's what the scripture says. It says you may not know the day, you may not know the hour, but you can know the season. And one thing you do know, it's a lot closer to us than it was when these words were written and when these prophecies were given. And I believe that We are living in such a different time. There's never been a time like this. There's never been a time since before 48 when Israel's been back in her land. It's all happening, men and women, in front of us. What in the world is going on? The Bible tells us a lot if we just read it and study it. Are you ready for this? You say, wow, Pastor, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm ready for this or not. Well, let me tell you, it's not going to wait for you. You got to get ready. How do you get ready? Well, if you're a Christian, here's a good word from Romans 13. Wake up. Get out of your sleep. Don't be mesmerized by the culture in which you live. One of the things that people have told me consistently, Pastor Jeremiah, since you started preaching on this, I'm starting to think about my life in a different way. I realize I waste a lot of time. I do a lot of things that aren't really important. And I want to get more focused on what God wants me to do. I want to awake out of my sleep because I realize I might not have a long time to do all the things that are really important. What about you who don't know the Lord? Some of you say, well, you know what, Pastor, I'm going to wait until the rapture, and if it actually happens, then I'll get saved. (laughs) No, you won't. I don't believe that'll happen. I believe the Bible tells us that if you've had an opportunity to receive the Lord in this life and the rapture comes, that God will send you a strong delusion that you will not believe after the rapture comes. That's what it says in Thessalonians. Whether I'm right or not, what I can tell you is this. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. You can't get any better than now. You can't do it yesterday. You can't do it tomorrow, but you can do it now. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's how you get ready. Because the Bible says before all of these things come to final maturity, the Lord is going to come back to this earth and he's going to receive out of this earth everyone who has put their trust in him. It's called the rapture. And if you are not saved when that happens, in the words of a famous series of books, you will be left behind. (laughs) And when you're left behind, it's forever too late. The way you get ready for heaven in the future is by receiving Jesus Christ now. And there's no reason why you can't do that. I don't know what you're waiting for. You say, well, this is not a good time. This is the time. Old Harry probably read the news stories of his day. He was a stubborn man, but he became a legend in the Pacific Northwest. Though he was warned repeatedly that his life was in jeopardy, 
He just laughed. He lived at the foot of a quiet mountain. At least it had been quiet for 123 years. But Mount St. Helens was seething inside, ready to unleash her force upon unbelieving admirers. On March 27, 1980, a ranger heard what he thought was a sonic boom. The mountain had erupted, and scientists rushed to assess the explosive potential of the mountain. They painted a frightening scenario of future destruction. People listened, but they couldn't quite comprehend any kind of a disaster of that magnitude. It seemed sort of far-fetched to many of them. Oh, Harry, he probably read the news stories while he ate a solitary breakfast and fed scraps to his 16 cats. Nobody knows more about this mountain, he would say, than old Harry, and it don't dare blow up on me. When the sheriff's deputies ordered all residents on the shores of Spirit Lake at the base of the mountain to leave for safety, Harry said, I'm living my life. I'm king of everything I can see. I got plenty of whiskey. I got food enough for 15 years. I'm sitting high in the hog and I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and on Sunday morning, May 18, 1980, the mountain exploded and hurled pulverized rock and ash almost 14 miles high. The force of the blast flattened trees, uprooting and smashing them like millions of dominoes spreading out from the crater. The mountain's vengeance was 500 times greater than the nuclear bomb that leveled Hiroshima. The warnings were over. There was no longer any time to run. Old Harry, along with his cats and his flowers, was buried under tons of rock and mud. He waited too long. He defied what he was told. He refused to listen to the warnings that were sent to preserve his life and give him hope. And in his stubbornness, he lost it all. Don't be like that. If you don't know Jesus, this is the time to know him. And you can know him today. Amen. I'm concerned, as all of you are, as I see these things happen, but I'm not afraid. Because I know that the Lord has got this all in control. And before all this thing breaks up into hell on earth, I'm going to be out of here. <laughs> I'm going to be with Jesus. And I know that because that's what the Word of God tells me, and I believe that. Just as surely as I believe these prophecies of the future, I believe the promise of the Word of God, that we shall be caught up to be with Him in heaven and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I know that because there was a day in my life, men and women, where I told the Lord Jesus that I knew I was a sinner and that I had failed God and I had failed him a lot and that I needed him and I wanted him to forgive my sin and I asked the Lord Jesus if he would come into my heart and forgive me and cleanse me from all of my sin and he said yes. And he came in and he changed me from the inside out. And it's the most important thing that ever happened in my life. I so want that for you. You can know all that's going to happen and you won't be touched by it because you know the one who's in control. So please, think seriously about that, will you? And while the opportunity is extended, make the right decision. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about the collapse of the global financial market. 
This is recorded for us, actually, prophetically, in Revelation chapter 18, in the 24 verses of that chapter. And uh, you'll find it quite interesting, again, because it just seems to mirror much of what we're watching happening today. And um, we'll talk about that tomorrow. And in the meantime, you can get the study guides and the uh, textbook for this series. There's three study guides. They're 140 pages perf-bound, and they're beautifully put together. Uh, They mirror the design of the book, and they will give you all the things that you need to delve into as you study each of the chapters. And then the 31 chapters uh, are totally contained in this 463-page book that we want to send you for your gift of any size. This is a great value, friends, and I hope you'll ask for your copy today when you send your gift to Turning Point. Thanks for listening. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, please let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, The Book of Signs, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the prophetic series, Signs, right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. When President John Adams left the White House to return to private life, He boarded a public carriage to travel from Washington, D.C. to his home outside of Boston. When President Harry Truman left the White House, he and Mrs. Truman packed their car and drove themselves home to Kansas. Truman had no staff or support after leaving the White House. 
He bought his own stamps and wrote and mailed his own letters, as did John Adams. Such simplicity and humility seems foreign today, but there is something to be said for humility in those who are called to lead, and everybody is a leader to someone. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's principles of leadership on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.